Let's take our Bibles and we'll be in Romans 12, but also uh, put your finger there, put a piece of paper there. We'll start in Ephesians chapter 2 this morning. Romans 12 will be our primary text, but I want to share some thoughts with you from Ephesians 2. Uh, We've been studying, um, introducing to us this theme for this year of love, serve, reach. And I spent um, three weeks talking to us about love. Uh, We see we did love defined, love displayed, and then love in deed or love in action. And we spent that uh, three services on that. And then a couple Sundays ago, uh, introduced to us the second thought or second word of our theme of serve, love, serve, reach. And, And so we looked at service here a couple of Sundays ago in the book of Romans chapter number 12 and really leaned on that last phrase of verse number one which says which is your reasonable service and we talked about how service is reasonable because of God's mercies went back and looked very quickly at Romans 1 through 11 this great doctrinal document that Paul uh, wrote for us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of telling us who we are And our sinful condition separates us from God and what God did for us and how he gave his son Jesus Christ. And through his death, burial, and resurrection, uh, we we have have salvation provided for us. And when you think about it, as that choir sang that song this morning, Calvary is the sea, and all that we've done is just a little dewdrop in comparison to what God has done for us. And so when we consider uh, uh, God's mercies, it's our reasonable service that we would serve him. When you consider all that he's done for us, we should be willing to serve him back. And so service is reasonable because of God's mercies. Secondly, we considered in verse number two, service is reasonable because of God's perfect will. God's got a perfect plan that is acceptable and good and perfect for us, and we should trust him in what he wants to do in our lives. And then we saw that service is reasonable because of God's unique gifting. Uh, And that's what the rest of Romans chapter 12 is about. Uh, All the gifts that God has bestowed upon his children and, and has gifted us in unique ways and how we can serve him. And so we consider it to be reasonable. And um, this morning I want to continue on some thoughts of our service for the Lord and try to answer this question of why we often find it difficult to surrender to God's will in our lives, how God wants us to serve. I made that mention here a couple of Sundays ago that I don't think it's difficult discerning what God's will is for us to do. I think it's difficult for us to surrender to God's will. And why is that? And uh, in Ephesians chapter 2, we are introduced to the, this concept and this thought, this truth that every believer has enemies. Uh, we, 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 have, we live in a, a, a world and uh, we have a, a, an adversary that is our enemy. But I want to speak specifically to you today about uh, uh, the enemy of self. And um, if I were to title our message this morning, it would be Pleasing God or Pleasing Self. And I'll talk to you about that in just a moment. But notice with me in Ephesians chapter 2, as Paul highlights the church of Ephesus uh, in these first three verses, who our enemies are. 
Uh, uh, verse number one says, And you hath he quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. He's talking to believers here. He's saying you were dead. You were without Christ. But God made you alive through Jesus Christ. He's quickened you. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this, take note, this world. You walked according to the course of this world. There's your first enemy, this world. Listen, you live in a world that is contrary to God, that is in, in contrast to God, that is against God. We live in this world. And, and so that is an enemy to us. We're called to live here. God gives us what we need to live here and to, uh, to, to uh, serve him here. But it's an enemy to us. He goes on to say, according to the prince of the power of the air. That's a title. That's a name for Satan. That's a name for the devil, the prince and power of the air. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Peter will describe Satan as an adversary, as an enemy. One that is seeking to devour us. One that is seeking to destroy us. And then he says, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our, and there it is, flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as others. I think it's pretty easy for us today to say, yep, the world is our enemy. Uh, it's easy to say that the devil is our enemy. We can see that. But I think we often forget about that fella or that lady that's looking at us in the mirror every morning. Our flesh, this body, we are an enemy to ourselves. Don't forget this. There was a comedian of many years ago that was famous for saying, the devil made me do it. And I think a more accurate or a more honest representation is, Oftentimes, I chose to do it. And so I want to talk to us about ourselves today. Myself included, you, all of us today. Years ago, while I was attending uh, the Wilds Christian Camp down in Brevard, North Carolina, I was introduced to this, this statement that they use frequently. Two choices on the shelf. Pleasing God or pleasing self. So this morning, I want to talk to us about pleasing God or pleasing self when it comes to this idea of serving the Lord. So let's go back to our text, Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter 12. Let me introduce it again by reading those first four verses, although uh, really the entire chapter will be our text today. Let me just read the first four verses of Romans 12. I beseech you, or I beg of you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, 
and all members have not the same office. Let me go ahead and read the verse 5. So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. With this foundation of these enemies, here in Romans chapter number 12, I want us to consider this thought this morning, or three thoughts about the natural, or the fleshly, and the spiritual. The natural and the spiritual. When I speak of the natural, I'm speaking about our flesh and about pleasing God or pleasing self. If you would, in your mind, or if you're taking notes this morning, would you make a T-chart with me today? You know, that straight line across there, and on the left side, will you put the word natural? And on the right side of that chart, will you put the, the word spiritual? And then do you a little line down there. And I want to put several things underneath natural and underneath spiritual this morning. Underneath that thought of natural, I want you to write down the word conformed that we see in chapter 12, verse 2. I want you to underneath that write down the words think highly. Think highly in chapter 12, verse number 3. And then I'm going to summarize uh, this natural thought from verses 4 through 21. And I want you to use this thought underneath natural of talents. Conformed, think highly, and talents. And then underneath the spiritual, I want to contrast it with these thoughts. The thought of transformed in chapter 12, verse 2. Uh, the thought of think soberly in chapter 12, verse 3. And then the thought of gifts in chapter 12, verses 4 through 21. Contrasting the natural concept versus the spiritual concept. Contrasting conformed versus transformed. Thinking highly versus thinking soberly. Talents versus gifts. Let's consider first of all this conformed versus transformed. Conformity versus transformity. When you think of the word conformed, it carries the idea of a pattern or a mold. Uh, an easy way, I think, to picture this is to take us back to our Play-Doh days. Uh, you know, opening up your can of blue or red, yellow Play-Doh. Uh, I was never one that liked to mix my colors, all right? Uh, that drove me nuts. Uh, I, I'm a little too OCD with my colors. But you got your various colors of Play-Doh, and, and you, you've got a mold or a pattern. And you either lay it out there, and you push that mold, and you're pushing that Play-Doh into that, and it takes the shape. It takes the form of whatever it is that you've been smashing this into there. And that's the idea of this word conformed. And he says, be not conformed to this world. Now, I remind you, the world is trying to push you into a mold. We see it crowding all around us, don't we? Constantly after us to change our minds, train, change our hearts I, again, I share with you today that you live in a world that is contrary to the word of God. And for you to live to, according to this word is going to cause you to be different than this world. And the world's not going to stand for it. They're going to constantly crowd around us, try to change our minds, change our thoughts. They're going to appeal to our, our, uh, our feelings and all of these things. And I'm going to tell you today, to live by God's word is going to cause you to be different than this world. And the world's trying to conform you to its image. And your flesh is going to say, you know what, it's all right. 
It's what everybody else is doing. It's what's going on around us. And so there's this conforming that is natural. But you contrast that to the word transformed. There in verse number two, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. The idea of this word is a change that comes from within. It's an inside change that eventually affects the outside of the body. It comes from a Greek word that we get our scientific word and concept of metamorphosis from. Uh, If you remember those science thoughts there of metamorphosis, it's a change from within. You know, you've got this creepy little worm-like creature with thousands of legs on it, crazy colors, and, and, and you've got this little caterpillar. I remember years ago, when our boys were little, we were in our garden one day, and uh, 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 we found a little green caterpillar. He was about that long. He's pretty thick and heavy. I thought to myself, he would have made great fish bait if I was near a pond that day, and uh, it would have been a great thing there. But here was this big, juicy caterpillar, and we, we got it. He's crawling on a stick and on my hand, and my wife is showing the boys and petting it, and, and, and my oldest son was petting it, and Silas, who was maybe three or four at that point, he said, I don't want to touch it. No, oh, it's okay. Come here. I wanted him to experience this, and and he's like, no. And, and it got to the point where it wasn't just about him not wanting to touch it. He was just being rebellious. And, and I said, Silas, come here. You're going to touch it. And his little four-year-old leg stood up, and he took off running away from me. I looked at my wife. Does he think I can't catch him? And, and, and then I couldn't catch him. He was zigzagging. He was ducking and turning. He, was, he had all kinds of moves I didn't know he had. And I finally caught him, and I said, you're going to touch this? You're going to experience this. And he says, Dad, it's poisonous. (laughs) He basically was saying, Dad, you're trying to murder me. What are you doing? And I said, it's not poisonous. And he told me that the neighbor girl had told him it's poisonous and all these things. I said, it's not poisonous. Look at this. And he's like, he touches it. And I said, see, your finger didn't fall off. You didn't die. Nothing was there. But this little goofy creature will eventually put some type of webbing around it, turns into this cocoon. And and at some point, a metamorphosis takes place. A transformation takes place, and they come out of that. And it's no longer this little crazy-looking worm. It's a a beautiful butterfly. And that's the process that takes place through a transformation. In the handful of times that I've had to speak to a Heritage Christian School student about their behavior, and if their behavior has, um, has put them on this edge of you're either going to stay a student here or you're not going to be a student here, I'll often take them to these verses. And I will tell them that my goal and my prayer and my desire is for transformation that there would be a change from within and they'll desire to live for God and, and desire to live by the rules. But I said, but at a minimum, there must be a confirmation if you want to stay here. You're going to have to conform to the rules if you're going to stay here. I wish it would come from your heart, but if it's not going to be there, it at least has to come from your actions. And that's the difference between a heart change and just a outward conformity. Now listen, this idea of confirmation is natural. 
That's the natural, physical, fleshly reaction. But confirmation is a spiritual. It is a, uh, it's an act of surrender to God, an act of submission to God. Confirmation is a natural act of the flesh. It is pleasing self, doing what you want to do. Transformation is a spiritual act, a submission to God. It is a desire to please God doing what he wants me to do. And so the plea here is be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. You know why we often struggle doing what God wants us to do in our areas of service? Because we're conformed and not transformed. We're not letting God work through us. We're saying, I'll do what I want to do. Now, I don't have time to go into it in much depth here, but the Bible gives us great keys on how we can be conformed. Look what he says in verse number two. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. I may preach on this at another time, but that word renewing is a great, great picture. It's the idea of renovation. It's the idea of remodeling. And if you study this out, the way God renovates a person, uh, the way that God renews a person, uh, remodels a person, He takes their mind and he changes it through his mind, through his word. Uh, God uses the Bible like a sledgehammer in renovation all the way down to fine sandpaper as he's making changes in our lives. God uses his word. Sometimes you might feel like I could never change. Yes, you can. Get in God's word and let God's word change you. Uh, You can say, I could never do those things. Yes, you can. Just just say, God, I want you to transform my life, and I'm going to get into your word, and I'm going to trust the word of God. God's word is the tool that renews our minds and brings transformation, brings change in our lives. I just had the great privilege of wrapping up another discipleship study with with a young man in our church just completed our last lesson and and I said let's look back on it how have you changed over these last uh, oh it probably took us 17 18 weeks to complete those 14 lessons I said how have you changed and every area of his change was because of this book his, 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 his says, oh, he says, man, I've changed the way my thinking has changed. The way I treat my spouse has changed. The way I act at work has changed. And all of it is traced back to God's word. And so transformation is the spiritual choice that we make to allow God to work in our lives. Confirmation, again, it's all in this context here of ministry of service. Is when we say, nope, I'll do what I want to do. Let's continue with another thought here in our T-chart of thinking highly of ourselves versus thinking soberly. Look at verse number 3 of our text, Romans 12. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now, Paul's getting in it, ready to introduce to us the spiritual gifts. And to preface that or to prepare us for that, 
He wants us to think or wants us to consider how we think of ourselves. It's natural when we are blessed with talents and gifts and abilities. I think sometimes it's a natural way that we, we might think too highly of ourselves. Uh, that, that it's just where we go. Look at me. Look what I did. Look what I accomplished. Somebody comes up to you and says, great, great job on that song. Hey, great message, Pastor. All those things. And, and my flesh wants to say, that was a good job. Yeah. That's what my flesh wants. It's what your flesh wants. It's what we long for. And Paul says, God's word says, don't think too highly of yourselves. Now, remember the spiritual gifts? Remember when we studied the book of 1 Corinthians? That was one of their struggles. They were a very blessed and gifted church, and they knew it. And and, and Paul wrote to them and corrected them on this. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, he talks about who God has chosen to use and how he's chosen to use them, all for this purpose, that no man should glory, but that God should get the glory. And so he gives these two thoughts of not thinking too highly of yourself. To think highly carries the idea of esteeming self, vain thinking. Here's a a thought, self-arrogance. Now we hear that, we hear those descriptors, and we know that's not right. We know we shouldn't be that way. We know there should be humility. We know we shouldn't elevate ourselves. And sometimes to contrast that, we go to another extreme of thinking too lowly of ourselves. And that's not what the scripture tells us here. The scripture says not to cast yourself all the way down to the bed. It uses this word soberly. To think soberly of oneself. And if we were to uh, define that, it would mean to think soundly, sanely. Here's some words, moderate, balanced, not too high, and not too low. I wrote this in my Bible here several years ago. I said it is just as sinful to think negative of yourself as it is to think highly of yourself. God's not looking for you to throw yourself down and to say I'm the worst ever and I could never. No, he says have a moderate, have a balanced, have a sober consideration and thinking of yourselves. So think highly versus thinking soberly. Because there are some people who say, I could never serve God. I'm just not good enough. I'm not talented enough. I, I, I couldn't do that. There's no way. And you've, you've, you've talked yourself out of service for God. And that's an act of the flesh. That's an act of the natural man, not the spiritual man. Whereas our answer should be, by the grace of God, I can do what he called, he's called me to do and what he's gifted to me. It's nothing in myself. It's what God's put. Listen, that's a very balanced approach there. It's a very sober response when you can say, I'll do what God enables me to do, and I'll do it by faith for his glory and his honor. It's not me. It's him through me. And so, again, thinking highly versus thinking soberly. And then he goes into this long list in verses 4 down through the end of the chapter. And he mentions various types of gifts. 
And I think it would be natural at times for us to say someone is talented. That's a natural response versus a spiritual response of saying that person is gifted. Talent, would, 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 although we know that comes from God, it again brings the, 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 the significance of it on the person. It, it brings back the credit on the person. Whereas gifts, that, that comes all from God, right? And so there is this idea of looking at things in a different mindset. It is spiritual to look at ourselves and others around us and say they are gifted. Here's what I believe, though. Talents, what you can do, will only take you as far as your talents can take you. But gifts, they'll take you as far as God wants to take you. They'll do more than what you could ever imagine. In the area of of talents, uh, again, shared this here several weeks ago, I believe, about, but you've seen individuals that were maybe blessed in an athletic way, but because of various situations or concepts or uh, perhaps uh, uh, the way they didn't want to be coached or whatever, that person's talents were never completely fulfilled or recognized. Uh, I, I read an article once about this guy that, uh, played on one of the maybe Chicago or New York City, the, the playgrounds. And, and, and every, everybody that knew him knew that he had the talent to probably be a top 10 NBA player in that time. But there was things in his life that never allowed him to realize that potential. Uh, he didn't like to be coached. He didn't be like to, told what to do. Uh, he had substance abuse issues, all these things, and, and it kept him from fulfilling or recognizing his potential. And I look out here today and I see believers full of potential. And when you're spiritual about it, you say, God, you've gifted me. I want to use this. And when you're natural, when you're physical, when you're carnal, you'll say, I'm just going to do what I want to do. And so there's this contrast here of talents versus gifts. And so when it comes to your service for the Lord, are you thinking and living naturally, physically, carnally, or are you thinking and living spiritually? Hey, another way to say it, you've got two choices on the shelf. To live for God or to live for self. If, if God has gifted you, God has blessed you, God has given you, he wants you to serve him, and you're going to have to make that choice. Oh, the world's going to be after you to kind of get you, try to get you to say no, Satan's going to be after you, but primarily it comes down to you making a choice, and I'm going to, God's gifted me, he's done so much for me, here I am. And I'm going to be a servant for God with whatever he wants me to do. That means uh, uh, doing something that is never recognized, never seen, to uh, being a pastor or a missionary that's out in the forefront doing things. Whatever God's called me, I'm willing to do it. Think spiritually, not naturally. 
Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this, this morning? The area of service. I'm not preaching this message because we're lacking servants. Uh, because we're desperate for help. I preach this today because that's what God wants for all of his children. He wants you. He's gifted you. He's blessed you with many spiritual blessings. And he wants you now to serve him. I just want you to get to the right kind of thinking today. Spiritual versus natural. Spiritual versus carnal. Say, so you know what? You've done so much for me. You've gifted me. You've done, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to serve you now. And what a shame it would be to stand before the Lord one day and have to say, I did very little or nothing for you. Christian, you will stand at a judgment one day. We've learned it on our Wednesday night Bible study, the judgment seat of Christ. You will give an account one day. You don't want to stand before him empty-handed. You want to be able to say, I've served you to my best. You've gifted me and I served you. Father, I pray today that you would use your word and your spirit now to work in our hearts and our lives. Lord, you've led us to these thoughts of love, serve, reach. And Father, you've called us to serve you. So I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. Lord, may we serve you how you've called us to do this. Lord, may we have a spiritual concept and not a natural or fleshly or carnal concept, Lord. Work in hearts this morning, Lord. Help us to be obedient to you as you've led and directed in our lives. In Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed this morning. Would you stand where you're at today? And Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. And as Jana begins to play a verse of invitation, has the Lord touched your heart today? Has he pulled on your heartstrings about your service for the Lord? Would you respond to him today? Are you doing what God's called you to do? Or are you saying, I don't want to do it, I can't do it. It's not what I want to do. Would you come and commit that to the Lord today and say, I want to please God and not please self.